When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, we are in 2022 now. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jonas. Did you have a did you have a big party? Did you have like uh, the whole neighborhood come over? Oh yeah, like just tons of people. There's no it's not like there's anything going on that would prevent that kind of thing. Did you see there was a story about a there was a Sunwing flight and they flew to Mexico and there were people that were like crowd surfing and like <laughs> not no, wearing ma- masks and drinking on the plane and and apparently all the airlines are refusing to fly them back from from Cancun so I, I was reading That's that story reading that story last night that is about right what would you do if you're on that plane like what do you do you just like put your your mask on and put your hood up and like just get into a bubble and I don't know. Close your eyes. Put your sunglasses on. Like I don't know what you'd do. I feel sorry for some of the airline workers. What they've had to deal with. Did you see the stuff with the Russian World Junior team and what happened on their flight home from the World Juniors? Yeah. Anyway, we don't. Let's let's start 2022 on an optimistic note. There's enough crap in the world going on right now. Um, so, James. We have to get to the pod bag later. Obviously, there's lots to talk about. We haven't we haven't done a podcast since like there's been basically two games I think since the last podcast, which was a while ago. Um, I don't. At that point, we were we're talking about there not being games too. Like, like it's the schedule has been so bizarre. Yes, and we'll so, get into the schedule. Wait, go ahead. Well, how many games they played? Two, two games since since we recorded in Edmonton de- since December. Well, we recorded in, Vanco- we recorded in Vancouver too, right? Oh, yes, we did. Right. But they hadn't played a game since the previous... Anyway. Yeah, December 14th. Yeah. So, it's like almost a month. It's like over three weeks we've had two games. Yes. We have plenty to dissect. Actually, we do. So, here's the thing. I want us to get into, you know, Ilya Mikheyev's return, um, the schedule, uh, you wrote a story about the goal song... I want to get into that. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, the power play and some of the elements there. But if you will allow, I was hoping we could play a game. Oh, How do dear. you feel about that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we should, I wish we could have the audio of... Uh, what's, what's that? Isn't it Saw where they, they say they want to play my game or something like that? I don't know. I, I haven't seen those movies, so... Did you watch uh, Squid Game? I haven't seen it yet. I really want to watch it. My wife has like no interest at all in seeing that. So I'm going to have to do it by myself. Is it good? It's fine. I think it's okay. It looks anyway. like the kind of twisted show that I would like. It is exactly that. If you, if you like Saw, I guess you'll like it. Anyway, so the game, James. I was thinking we could look at some reasons for optimism for the Leafs in 2022 and reasons for pessimism. How do you feel about that? Didn't we do this like literally like three weeks ago or something? I don't think so. Did we? <laughs> Whatever. This is did, this is this is what we're doing. I'm I'm down. I'm ready. Did we do this? I don't <laughs> think so. 
I hope not. All right. So you get to choose. I couldn't, here's the thing. I couldn't really think of that many reasons for pessimism. Um, do you want to start with optimism or pessimism? Sure. Let's do the pessimism ones. Let's, let's, let's do it. I mean, really? the team, they're, they're yeah. third in the NHL and well, I don't know. I mean, if this is the game we're playing, <laughs> you picked a game where there's only one, one of the answers makes any sense. <laughs> Well, pessimism. So, yeah. uh, the Leafs don't have any cap space, and they need to. They want to. Okay, make that, that was not on my list. So let's talk about that. They, Go ahead. They, they want to make an acquisition before the trade deadline, so they're going to have to get Pridham with it and and come up with a creative solution to create some cap space. So I, I don't know if that's going to mean trading Nick Ritchie or maybe you can trade someone like Engvall or something, and then that creates enough room. Or I don't know. They're probably going to have to be in a situation where they have to give up picks to get teams to retain salary the way they did with with the Felino trade uh, at last trade deadline. That makes sense. Doesn't it, wouldn't it also make sense to trade one of those D? Obviously, I'm talking about Dermot or Hall, who don't yeah. make a lot, but, but make something and like you have, in theory, 6D, even if you trade one. Well, let's say they want to bring in a $5 million defenseman and you can... Um, what you can do is you could uh, retain the the original team retains half of the salary, and then another team retains another half of the salary. You're getting that contract down to where the player is making less than Justin Hall. Yes, so that makes sense, right? Yeah, I think. Well, if if they're bringing in a defenseman, it seems like that would be the right trade for them to make. I know we've talked about this in the past, but you know, early in the season, uh, before we saw Bunting, before we saw Kasha. And these kinds of things, um, you know, there was uh, there was a lot of talk about potentially they might need a, a left winger to come in and, and replace the loss of Zach Hyman. But the longer the season goes on, the more it feels like the need is is for a defenseman. I would agree. So, do you think? I'm, I mean, I guess part of the question is, I, I guess there's lots of questions. A, how much value do either of those guys have? How much value do like, what can you trade that's a value b- besides a pick? I guess, like, like they don't—they really don't have a lot of picks in next year's draft. I think they have a first, a second, and, like, a seventh yeah. off the top of my head. Um, so, I don't know, like, how much they actually have to trade. Maybe you trade a prospect. Maybe you trade... Let me double-check that, Joe. I thought they had more picks this year than last year. No, I don't think so. I mean, they, they definitely cleaned all of them out. Well, I mean, look how many picks they traded at the deadline last year. Like it was, it was pretty remarkable. It was a pick party. Yeah, you're right. First, second, and a seventh. Yeah, which so not the, not a lot to trade. The seventh looks like it's like a conditional well, or something like that. It's going to be fine. It is the Manel trade, which isn't going to hit. He's not going to get into the. He's not going to play in 30 games. I can no. confidently say that. Well, yeah. I guess you never know. I don't even know um, if he's going to play 30 games with the Marlies. Yeah. Exactly. All right. That was a good one, James. That wasn't even on the list. Like, great job oh, starting the game. Think, let me see if I can come up with some more pessimism here. No, no, no. <laughs> we're we're on to optimism. <laughs> oh, okay. That was it. Well, didn't you, you must had, be. Didn't you have what? something on the list for like? Yeah, you came in? I, I only had two things, and you 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 added one. That's like, are you a good Monopoly player? I can feel like you would be. Yeah, I can. I can. I can. I can play Monopoly with the best of them. What's your go-to? What is it called? Piece. Uh, oh, I like, I like the, uh, it's, it's gotta be the hat. Oh, I like the hat. All right. The I like the car. Yeah. All right. 
reason for optimism. I really think um, the camp edition is a reason for optimism. Like this is something that they have not had, obviously the last couple of years. I just think his ability to kind of soak up some of those D zone starts, I think his penalty killing is really helpful face offs. Like you look at what they had last year in the playoffs and obviously John Tavares being out for most of the series kind of changed things. But like you even go back a year before with Kerfoot and Engvall, I just think this is this has the potential to make a difference in the playoffs. Take some of the load off Matthews, take some of the load off Tavares, and just like have a player like that that they didn't have before, like this really smart, defensive-minded center. You know what I mean? I can go one better, Jonas. I have go. I have an even bigger reason for optimism. Jack Campbell is the best goalie in the entire league. <laughs> James, damn it, you're not playing the game right. <laughs> well, that's not the right way to play. That's it. on the list. We, hey, let's let's talk about Campbell. Go ahead. He's the best goalie in the league. You know, you did a thing where you're talking, looking at uh, some of the Leafs players that might go to the All Star game. I mean, it's like without yeah. a question, he's going to be there. And you know, the longer that he continues to play like this, I mean, we've said for a while now it it doesn't it's not sustainable to have a nine what's he 939 save percentage or whatever that it's not sustainable and he continues to sustain it so i think that with the way the schedule is right now it probably helps campbell a little bit like he's getting these breaks and you know it, it's not overwhelming but at some point they're gonna i don't at least still they still have like 50 games they gotta play and there's been more talk i've been hearing now jonas about that the season could get pushed back the playoffs could get pushed back off season could be changed which would not be great because no one wants to have a, a Stanley Cup in late July or, or, or whatever, whatever, you know, changing it all around from what we've had uh, in the past. Um, but, you know, it, it really feels like, like Jack Campbell's having one of the most special seasons for the Leafs in the time I've, I've covered the team. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Like this is in, we're, we're getting past the point, like this is, basically a year now where he's been one of the better goalies in the league. And you mentioned the schedule. I think it's interesting. Like he's coming up on a career high. And I was thinking like, even going into that game, they played on Wednesday night against Edmonton. Like, when do you slide in Mrazek? And I was thinking like, maybe that would be the game. And then you play Campbell on Saturday, but it's like, they don't have a ton of games and you look ahead to like, do you play Mrazek on Saturday? Do you, you've got a back to back next week, Vegas, Arizona, obviously they'll split those. It's just like you're going to have February where it's going to get really busy. So obviously having Mirazik around will help with that. But I mean, it's kind of crazy the way the season started where it's like, which guy is going to play? How are they going to split the games? And then obviously Mirazik gets hurt. Campbell goes on this crazy run just like last year. And it's like, there's not even a debate anymore. He's like the the clear, clear, clear number one. You know what I mean? Like the the, the way that this dynamic has changed from the way it started in whatever October um, is, is testament to, to Campbell really. Yeah. We, I mean, we thought they were going to battle for starts the whole year and it's, that's definitely not the way that it's played out. And, you know, even if Mrazek is fully healthy and even if Mrazek plays really well, it's not going to matter because like I said, they've, the Leafs right now have the best goalie in the league. And I don't think obviously Campbell's been talked about a lot, but I think that, you know, he's been their best player. And I, I don't, nobody predicted that coming into the year. And, you know, in well, the terms best of player, James, like the best player thing, 
um, for the least is, is kind of interesting. Like how, how would you rank it? You go Campbell Matthews. Yeah. And then like Riley Nylander. Well, I anyway. think that if we start getting into more reasons for optimism, then you get into look at the season that Morgan Riley has had taking another step at, was he 28, 27, 28 years old. Look at, at the season that William Nylander has had, John Tavares is back. I mean, there were some questions, you know, is the injury last year or anything like that kind of slow hit? Like there's uh, Michael Bunting's had a big year. Uh, now you get Mikheyev comes back and starts ripping goals. Andre Kasha, um, the fourth line's been good. Like there's, you know, Sheldon Keefe was talking about uh, sitting Nick Ritchie in, in the Ottawa game and how that was a hard decision. And, and a big reason why it's a hard decision is that every single forward has been pretty good. Like they haven't really had other than other than I guess Nick Ritchie would be the one that potentially. Yeah, I don't hasn't know been. that 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 was that hard. Well, he was like I, the I, very obvious candidate com- to come out if if but everyone's like, healthy. If there had but been yeah. more, if there had been more guys hurt, or if Engvall hadn't had a good season, or if you know Bunting, or I don't know, whatever. Like if if Simmons had been looked as old as he did in the second half of last year, or like everyone's played well. Yeah, look at every forward the only guy who hasn't had his usual season is Marner. Like everybody else has either met expectations or exceeded them. Um, but I want to bring it back to Campbell for a second, James, like you mentioned, um, like he's been the best goal in the NHL. He's obviously like a favorite right now for the Vesna. Can you tell me the last time a leaf goalie won the Vesna? Um, it is a long effing time ago. Was it, was it Bauer in the 60s? I think that... Bauer and Sawchuck, somehow they split it? I don't know how the, the award used to be doled out. 1965. Yeah, that's. I would have said Bauer in like the mid-60s was, if I recall. And he, and, and he was like late 30s, I think, at that point. Like he was, he was a, a real veteran. Um, did they used to give out the Vesna based on goals against average? I, yeah, I, maybe I, it was like the Jennings... Back in yeah, the day? Yeah, I think it was, which is a really bad way to give out that award, but I think that's the way they did it way back when. Now, I, I can see, I'm just looking at hockey reference, Belfour finished third in his first season with the Leafs. Did did Cujo ever come close? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think that there were, I, I can't remember if it was with the Leafs or not. He came in second yeah. in 99. Was he, he, and that was with the Leafs? I think he lost to Brodeur, right? Uh, and he I came believe. in third the year after that. Yeah. So it they like, they had really yeah. good goaltending in that stretch with Pat Quinn between Cujo and and Belfour. Like Belfour was, you could make the ar- argument that he was the MVP of the team some years, and I, th- I think probably the same with Joseph as well. Well, so James, like you're right, it was Hasek that year when Joseph came second. Mm. So this is this is so funny. So Hasek that year, actually Joseph that year had a nine ten save percentage. Okay, two five six goals against average. Hasek, nine thirty seven, yeah, and a one eight seven goals against. No, like, what he the? was a he was a complete alien. I remember when he came onto the scene and like, and that was when it was like dead puck era, and there was a Holy. trap, and like, I remember that those some of those Buffalo teams didn't have a whole lot of talent, and he just like would like drag them to a good season. Well, our buddy John Mattis uh, over at The Score has been doing a podcast series about some of the goalies from that era. Uh, I think people should check that out. I know Hasek was one, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I haven't listened to that one yet. It's on my saved 
list of things to listen to. I have so many podcasts, James. It's I nuts. like the name of it. It's called When Goalies Were Weird, right? Yeah, let's see. Uh, well, I, I think I might argue that goalies are still weird. Are they? Well, I guess Campbell. <laughs> I just think like as like in hockey in general, like goalies are, I don't know. I just, that's been a thing ever since I was a kid. And like, you know, I know I remember my friends playing on teams and like just saying like, the goalie's always the weird guy. Yeah, so John has done episodes on Hasek, Patrick Waugh, Ron Hextall, Ed Belfour, Curtis Joseph so far. And then he's got a finale with Brodeur, Gar Snow, Damien Rhodes, Jim Carrey. So check that podcast out. Um, James, you're playing the game great. Like, I think you're winning. I think you're beating me at this game, even though yeah, there are no winners I, and losers. I studied hard for this. <laughs> you didn't even I don't tell, tell me you what we're doing. No, you didn't tell. I don't know. Maybe no. we should change that. Maybe, no maybe way. It you, takes you, the you, spontaneity out of the podcast. Um, okay. Next reason for pessimism. Can you guess what this one is? I mean, it should be something what's going on with the defense. It would be what it, I would pick. It is. Yeah. Um, so it's been interesting since they've come back, they've had Justin Hall. Well, I guess it's only been one game because Muzzin missed that first game in protocol or just coming out of protocol. Um, but it's been interesting. Like he's put Muzzin and Hall back together, which I think makes sense. Like we've discussed that. I don't believe that there's like a great internal solution. Um, do you have like any confidence that this can still work? Or is it like a, if you're in that front office, it is like a no doubt about it. We are trading for a defenseman who is better than Justin Hall. Like, do you have any hope? I mean, I think that they've still got some time to watch him play, but it's hard to envision a scenario where uh, another defenseman isn't their their top need at the deadline. I think I'm in agreement. I, I guess the only thing I would say is number one, this break could be helpful to him. Just like it's been a month where like you kind of get a chance to reset. Like it's almost like a new season in some ways. Like Sheldon Keefe was kind of talking about like it feels a little like training camp and in the preseason, no fans in the building. Maybe it gives him an opportunity to reset. It, it's been interesting, James, like I'm watching some of the stuff that's gone on like before and after practice. Like they're spending a lot of time on his skating. Um, like basically before every practice, he's working with the skating coach. And that's like, it's not everybody who does that. It's, it's, it's been him day after day after day. Jonas, after who day. is the skating coach now without Barb Underhill? Is it Randy Milani? Oh, okay. So he's been working consistently with her. And that's something that Sheldon Keefe has talked about. Like they want him to use his speed more. Um, it, it, it almost feels as much about that as like just confidence. Like he had a rough start to the season and just kind of snowballed, snowballed, snowballed. It's just so interesting that like a pair could be so effective together for like two seasons, I guess not two full seasons. And then just the rails really just, they completely kind of go off the rails uh, to the point that you, you're not even sure you can play them together. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm on the record that some of the podcasts we did in December, I was saying that I think they should break that pair up and try Sandine with Muzzin or like try some different things and get some different looks. But you know, the alternative is going to be to bring someone new in. And, you know, I'm sure over the next couple of months leading to the trade deadline, we're going to have a bunch of stories where we talk about their options in, in that spot. And you know what I'd say to that, James? Yeah. You, you'd rather do it sooner than later. And obviously there's a yeah. lot of shit going on. But one thing I remember with when they traded for Jake Muzzin is, is him talking about how hard the transition was and how long it took him to get comfortable so if you trade for a defenseman, like, I mean, we saw it in some ways with Felino, and obviously there were complications there with injuries and stuff, but like, it's really hard 
when you get traded right at the deadline to come in and kind of find your way with a new team, especially if you're you're going to be counting on that person to play really important minutes in your top four. It's not an ideal world. Like you just do what you can. Yeah, but I I would worry like you get into like a playoff series against a really good team, potentially in the first round, and they're going to be able to take advantage of the fact that you don't feel yes. very good. You don't feel very good about your D. Like, well, if you're the, if you're going into it, let's say the playoffs started tomorrow and you were counting on one pair to to go against the top line, I don't think it would be that pair. I think you'd use Riley and Brody, even if right. that's not what you want to do in an right. ideal world. Well, and if the playoffs started today, they would be playing Tampa in the first round because Florida is, is ahead of them in points percentage. Whew, that would be a fun series. That would, would be fun. It would be great. I, would, I hope the border and everything will be open by then and you and I can go to the stay at the waterside and go to the tiki bar and and watch some hockey in Tampa. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know if I really want to be in Florida right now. Anyway, uh, it's another not right reason now though, Jonas, it's like in like May or something, right? When the everything will when everything will all, be back to normal. This will all be a distant memory. <laughs> Hopefully. All right, reason we'll, for optimism. We'll do like we'll, two more and then we'll, we'll all be crowd surfing on planes every day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Reason for optimism. Let's see. Where do I want to go here? You know where I will go here? I, I think don't. we'll go with with Kasha. Um, I think it's interesting when you, you think about what they wanted when they traded for Nick Foligno last year. Kasha has kind of become that. Um, the big thing always and, and was at the beginning of the year and remains so now is is health. But if he can stay healthy, he's like exactly what they wanted in Felino, He's like, he can play basically anywhere. Like he can play on any one of those top three lines. He's taken a power play opportunity. I'm really good with it. He's killed penalties. He can score. Like he really checks a lot of boxes. Like they, they really kind of got lucky that Nick Felino chose to play in Boston and didn't come back because a, he's a lot pricier. He's a lot older and he's just not having a great year. Like he looks like he's kind of, near the end so kasha hold on i got a i got a problem with a squirrel coming up to the window and attacking me a get squirrel. out of here there's a freaking squirrel here you know he can't come inside right well but do you want to hear a sound of a squirrel gnawing on the wall during the rest of the podcast well because that's what he was starting to do <laughs> anyway Punch, you can keep that in the show if you want. There's a squirrel attacking the podcast. It's, uh, it's a virtual school. So, like, I've, I've been kicked out of my, my office and uh, I'm like a, I'm a homeless podcaster in my own home here. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only question with, the only question with Kasha is, is, is really health. And that's what, that was the question. When the Leafs signed him, he had only been skating for like a month, like, there weren't a whole bunch of suitors, you know, he, he, the deal he got for one, two, five, like there, there weren't, uh, there weren't a million teams lining up to give him that. Um, the Leafs in part got lucky because they had David Kampf and, and obviously those two are best friends and, and Kasha wanted to come sign here. But, you know, I'm working on a, on a big story on Kasha. I've been working on it for a while. I'm getting close and I'm hoping that can come out. I mean, we need him to come back and be healthy. Um, it's been really interesting talking to people about him and just kind of, he's got a lot of fans around the league, you know, a lot of teammates, a lot of coaches, 
you know, people love the guy. They love his his enthusiasm and his attitude. And uh, I think that you see that when he's on the ice. Like, he's just, he's all in on every shift. So, you know, if if he can stay healthy and, and not hurt himself in the gym again, you know, I think he can, he can be a guy that, you know, I think right now he's on pace for something like 46 points over 82 games. And mm-hmm. he hasn't had a ton of power play time. So, that's that's really really impressive. He's got eight goals, sixteen points in twenty eight games. Um, and you think like James, you bring up a playoff series. You think like if your offense is a little stagnant or or something's not going, like we we've seen in past playoff series, he's a guy that you could conceivably move up and and legitimately think could provide a spark. Um, so I mentioned eight and sixteen for him. Nick Foligno so far this year for Boston, one goal, six points in twenty one games. One thing I really liked about what the Leafs did in the offseason and the players that they brought in is they were a lot younger than the players they brought in. Like, it wasn't, this wasn't a Foligno, Riley Nash, Joe Thornton, uh, even like Jimmy VC's a little bit older. They, they went and they got a bunch of guys that were 25, 26 years old, Bunting, Kasha, Richie, uh, I'm forgetting somebody, Kampf. Like, they, they went, they went younger with their acquisitions and they, um, they moved on from some of the veteran guys that didn't work out last year. And I, I think that that makes sense. I mean, there's, there's more potential for upside if you're bringing in a 25 year old guy that maybe hasn't gotten an opportunity in in quality minutes, the way bunting has as, uh, then if you, do you have a Nick Foligno who's really on the downswing of, of his career? Yeah. I mean, same with the same thing is going on with Joe Thornton this year. He is playing 11 minutes a game for Florida. I saw he scored a goal the other day. I mean, Joe, you know what, Joe Thornton covering him, one of those, he's just one of those guys you, you like to root for. So I hope, you know, sure. hopefully, hopefully it works out for him. All right. Last reason for optimism. We can't fit them all in and then we'll take a break and then we'll, we've got some more things to talk about and then we'll do the pod bag. Last one, James. I am choosing it from my grab bag. William Nealander on the power play. I just think like he, he's been like unleashed and obviously there is a lot and we can talk about this in the next segment about Marner's role in the power play. But I think like Neilander has really kind of taken over in some ways with Matthews on the power play. So I was going to say my last reason for optimism was going to be special teams in general. The Leafs are at Mm. 30, 30.1% on the power play, which is they are 0.1% from being first in the league. St. Louis and Edmonton are, are at 30.2%. And even on the PK, the Leafs are seventh in the league right now at 83%. They've made huge strides on 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 special teams. And the other thing I was going to say is you bring up Nylander. I mean, he's among the league leaders in offense, right? Like he's... Uh, yep. He's, he's leading t- the team. He's tied for 11th in points in the entire NHL. Yes, sir. <laughs> Look at Kadri too, eh? 41 points in 26 games. Yep. It's amazing. Like it always felt like he had that in him and we just never really saw like a a monster season from Kadri like that. How old is Kadri? He's, he uh, is I, I 31. Yeah. Wow. Oh. He's 31. Life goes by fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was like the little kid when we were covering him, you know, like it's. He's now, fun uh, to watch. He's fun to cover. Like good for him. All right. Well, that's 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 the reasons for optimism. There's a lot more. I wrote a story about this. There's, I, I came up with 22, and I could probably come up with more. Like they've just had a good year. Like it's hard to. It's obviously one of the the reasons for pessimism that we didn't talk about is like obviously their playoff success in the past has not been there. They've had a history that everyone listening to this podcast knows. But like 
all it takes is one playoff series to change that. So I have one more reason for optimism. This pandemic is almost over, right? Oh yeah. Huh? Really? Huh? Really? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I don't know. You said you wanted us to be optimistic on this show. So I love optimism, James. I love optimistic yeah. Myrtle. Well, we need that guy. Yeah. It's either that or descend into despair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Mikheyev, some power play stuff, the goal song and the schedule. Okay, James, where do you want to begin here? I'll leave it up to you. We can talk goal about song. the ski- goal, goal song. song. Hey, All punch right, so can- tell us, you wrote about a story about the goal song or a proposal for a new goal song over at The Athletic. Uh, you can sign up for The Athletic if you haven't yet, at theathletic.com slash leaf report. Go ahead, James, explain. Okay, so I've been getting complaints about the goal song. And like when I do a mailbag or when I talk to fans on Twitter or whatever, I get com- more complaints and questions about the goal song than almost anything else about the Leafs. Like P- fans have been messaging me about the goal song. And I've tried to figure out how they picked Hall and Oates and, and where it came from. And no one, no one at MLSC or the Leafs will tell me. Like they, I just get stonewalled. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. They're very secretive about it and they have no interest in all in talking about it. So, um, but I found a way to write about the goal song because over the Christmas break, uh, his name's David Bottrill. He's a, a really, really well known producer in rock music. He's made some of my favorite albums. Uh, he, he was, uh, the producer for tool when they won a bunch of Grammys. He's, he's produced albums for silver chair, smashing pumpkins, rush, uh, stone sour, which is the, the, uh, the second band for Corey Taylor from, from slipknot. He's, he's, he, he, he's done, he's worked with a lot of heavy bands, which is, you know, I listen to a lot of that kind of music. Um, it was Christmas Eve. I got a tweet from David Bottrell, who I don't know personally, but I know who he is because I'm, I'm a big music nerd and especially that kind of music. He uh, sent me a tweet and he's like, I think the Leafs need a new goal song. Here, I, I, I came up with one. What do you think? And I was like, this is awesome. D- here's David Bottrell. What like one of, you know, my, the producers of one of my, some of my favorite music ever. And he's, he's sending me Leaf stuff. So I said, I'm on holidays right now. I'll call you after the new year. And let's do a story about why you think there should be a new goal song, the one that you picked, or, or the one that that that, that he wrote and, and and recorded. And uh, it'll be a fun thing to like, a fun way for us to talk about the goal song and the fact that so many Leafs fans hate Hollow Notes. And 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 uh, David Bottrell has given us permission to to play the goal song. So Punch, maybe you can just play uh, a little bit of it here on the podcast so people can hear it, and then. Uh, and then uh, Jonas, you and I can weigh in. Okay, that was that was uh, D- David Bottrell's version of uh, his proposal for a goal song. What do, what do you think of that, Jonas? I like it, and I I like the idea of coming up with something like one thing you pointed out from David in the story is like you go to other buildings, and and you and I have both been to like all of them. A goal song that's really good gets the crowd like going, like it kind of like 
froths everybody up and gets them really like charged up. Like you think of the one in Chicago, which can be annoying. Like I used to really like that band. And then like you, you hear that song, it's for tellies like a million times. But if you're in that building and it plays, there's like a vibe. And like, you think of like, I just think of some of the buildings like in Boston, like when they score, I, I don't know, I can't remember their song, but like you think of some of the songs that they play in the, these arenas that get the crowd really kind of fired up and going. And obviously Hall Notes just doesn't do that. Like, it's just not that kind of song. So I don't really understand why you choose a song or stick with a song that, that doesn't really fire up your crowd. You know what I mean? Like if, if you get a song that, that really gets them going, it can kind of like live on. And that's something David pointed out like at, at MSG. Like I, you put the clip in the story and I heard it and I was like, yep, I remember that. Like I know that feeling in the building when they play that song and the crowd just like loses their shit. And that doesn't happen in Toronto. And to me, that's like kind of a failure of a goal song. Yeah, I know. I I, I, I don't really, the Hall & Oates it, 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 David Bottrell said, "Like, I, that's a good song, and they're a good band, and like, I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them, but that's not the right kind of song to have after the Leafs score a goal." So, I don't know if 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 Bottrell's is the right answer, but I think it's 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 in it's in the right direction of what they need to do. And the thing I like, I've listened to that the because obviously David sent me that song like on Christmas Eve, so quite a while ago, I've listened to it a lot. I like it the more I listen to it, and the. What I like about it is I like some of like the the chanting and the crowd effects because I really you can picture the the crowd potentially getting into that. I don't know if the Scotiabank Arena crowd's gonna get into it or not just because of the way that those crowds are, but I I think they might. Like I think I I think you could at least the people in like the three hundred level, I could see them like chanting like the oh and like saying go leafs go and maybe if you get in the playoffs, maybe if you get a real go leafs go chant going uh, after a goal is scored, maybe it'll continue into when the next faceoff happens and when the play continues. And yeah. having that having that energy in the building would be better than than what's happening with Hall and Oates. Yeah, it, it just needs to be something that people can really sing along to and, and get fired up to sing along to. Like even I don't know, like you you won't know Cardinal Official, but like he has a song, uh, the anthem, and it's just about Toronto. And like the start of it is just like from the T dot O and like just something that people could kind of go along with. I would love it if honestly, if every player had his own goal song, I just think that would be so awesome. Like every time, whatever Matthew scores, he's got a goal song that he's picked and it, or maybe, maybe you pick it for him. I don't know. Anyway, it's something that, that they should definitely fix. I was surprised after the way last season ended that they didn't actually change it, but yeah, I don't know. There must be um, like a big Hall and Oates fans somewhere. All right, James, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with the pod bag in one sec. All right, James, we are short on time. We've got some breaking news within The Athletic that we have to get to. So let's do a shortened pod bag reminder to eat at your local restaurant, support your local restaurants, especially now. We've got pizza on deck for tonight. So James, question number one, would the Leafs risk trading Peter Mrazek at the deadline? Um... I don't think I would unless unless there was no other way to create the cap space they need to make a deal. I, I, I just you'd I wouldn't feel confident going into the playoffs with just one goaltender with a lot of NHL experience. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want Michael Hutchinson. I mean I guess the only thing you could maybe you flip Mrazek for another goalie who makes less. Like there there's talk in Vancouver that Halak's available because the Vancouver doesn't want to pay that bonus. My guy. So 
But I, I don't, that would be a complicated trade. You'd have to like send Mrazek to one team and then get Halak from Vancouver. And I don't know if you could pull that off or not, but. And I, the well, Leafs probably don't want. Leafs probably don't want to pay that bonus either. Like the problem that Vancouver has is they're up against the cap, so the bonus that that Halak's going to get for games played, I think it's one point two five million or something like that. It's going to carry over to next season. The Leafs aren't going to want to do that either. Well, the other thing is how many teams are going to want to trade for Peter Mrazek, who has two more years at three point eight, who's played like three, four, five yeah. games, whatever it is. But then you watch like Edmonton and what's happening with their goaltending, and it's like, man, yeah. they'd, probably, they'd probably kill to have Mrazek right now, like. I, there's there's some stat right now, Jonas, with goalies in the NHL, and there's something like almost a hundred goalies have played in a game already, and we're only like what are we like forty percent of the way through the season? Like we're gonna break the record for most goalies that have played in an NHL season, and we're gonna break it relatively early in the year. Just How much of that is protocol, though? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That oh. that that's a huge part of it. Like there there have been most teams have had to use three or four goalies. There's been a lot of goaltenders from the AHL that have played a lot of NHL games and there's been a lot of disruption there. So uh, this would not be the season that I would be playing with fire of only having one goalie that I felt comfortable with. All right. Another question. Uh, we kind of touched on this. What should be the least biggest focus at the trade deadline, a top four defenseman or a top six winger? Let me ask you about a top six winger. Um, is there any impetus to, to make that kind of trade? Like, we, And this is a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about Mikheyev. He's kind of like one fallback option to play in your top six, and obviously Cash is the other. Like maybe there just isn't a need to do that given what we've seen from those guys. Yeah, I guess the only thing I could see is if you feel like you can upgrade on on, on like a Richie or an Engvall or something. Like if there, there's some kind of a swap that makes sense, but I think that that trade's probably pretty hard to make. And I just think that with how tight cap space is going to be that – you know, if they're making a trade, it's they're going to have to allocate most of their resources. And like you said, they don't have the picks either. It's not like they're loaded with a whole bunch of prospects. Like, if they add a forward, my guess is it's probably going to be like a depth guy. Like, maybe, I mean, they already added Kyle Clifford. Maybe it, they just add like another player like that that doesn't make a lot of money and that you can keep off the cap. That makes sense. All right, I'm asking one question to close us out. Do you think this the, the way that they're doing the schedule by pushing games to later in the year actually makes sense? And do you think the Leafs, if they could choose, would actually want this? I, I don't think it really... If, if you're choosing, like, and you're in the hockey well, ops team, that you would want this. Well, they, they've... I mean, the other Canadian teams have chosen to push all their games down the line, but the Leafs have actually played some games. Like, they, they could have pushed the Ottawa and the Edmonton home games to a point when they were going to have fans in the building and, and obviously be able to generate revenue. And... uh you know, the, the hockey ops, what I, what I heard was that the Leafs hockey ops decided they wanted to play some games because they didn't, like the problem is if you keep pushing everything down, like you might end up with a really hyper condensed schedule over the last two months, doesn't set you up well for success, not only in those games, but also in the playoffs, if you're going to be completely burnt out, there's going to be some teams that have to play 50 games in like, you know, whatever, two and a half months, and it's, it's not going to work out well for them. Agreed. All right. Unfortunately, this has to be a short episode because there's stuff going on, but we'll be back next week and now we'll be back in a regular rhythm for the rest of the season. James, good day. I will talk to you soon. And everybody, uh, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to athletic.com slash leaf report and check it out. And happy new year. All right. See you, James. Thanks, Jonas. Thanks, Jonas.